You found it. The home of red-blooded American patriots. The Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner starts now. Hello, Patriots. Welcome to episode 94 of the Patriot Review. I've got uh, a really good interview with a candidate for Congress from Wisconsin's 8th District, Mr. Jake Vandenplus, who joins me today. I talked to him actually earlier in the week and had a very good discussion with him. And I think what I learned from it, number one, we have a lot to be optimistic about because people like Jake are coming and... uh, running for office and they're not your typical politician they're not you know the lawyer the doctor the 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 many of those folks that uh, turn full-time politicians he is an everyday american he is a vet he is a person who is deeply caring about uh the country and the people in the country and i think you're going to pick that up very very easily from the interview and this whole thing got me thinking now, you know, we consider ourselves America firsters, right? Those, the Trumpers that have really left the Republican Party or remolded the Republican Party or whatever you want to say. But what I would say is that, you know, we identify, I think, more strongly with the libertarians than we do with the rhino Republicans, especially when it comes to war and not getting into senseless, useless wars. Um, probably also on the economy and the finances and the uh, getting rid of the Fed. Um, there's a lot of us America Firsters, I think, that really believe in Ron Paul's uh, message that you have to get rid of the Fed and go on go on the gold standard. I would say you have to include all precious metals in that because we don't have enough gold, frankly, to back up the, the dollars we have for sure. But uh, that's a complicated issue. We'll get to maybe another day. But my point is this, that we we uh, are closer to libertarians. And I haven't really heard a lot of talk about, you know, uniting and finding a common ground and maybe looking at the the party differently and um, re, reshaping the, the party further to either create a new party or uh, to uh, basically get rid of the rhinos and the folks that we really don't have a lot in common with who call themselves Republicans. But I know all the libertarians out there would have something to say about that. And I would like to hear from you too. So you can always comment. I, you know, I'm all over social media. The Patriot Review is uh, our main home is on Frank speech. So, you know, the Frank uh, social app and also on Gitter and so on. But uh, you can also join at redbloodedpatriots.com, become a member and you can always, uh, I have an app there, um, you know, and quite frankly, more people are just on the regular social media apps, but you're more than welcome to check that out. And before we get started, I just want to give you a few reminders. Number one, if you help Mike, you help me. And uh, Mike Lindell has been a hero and a mentor to me, and I, I'm sure to a lot of you out there. But uh, check out MyPillow.com. I have the products from my pillow many of them and i can guarantee you they are top quality i will back that up 100 percent and i know mike does and my pillow does so check that out use code tpr and go to mypillow.com it's also on my store.com same code tpr very easy to remember also if you are maybe thinking about doing something else with your uh, finances your investments 
I ask you to take a look at, at uh, uh, Kirk Elliott, phd.com. That's Kirk Elliott and two L's and two T's, phd.com, and then forward slash The Patriot Review. So you can uh, get great deals on buying uh, physical gold and silver, uh, as well as other uh, financial products for you to take a look at and really secure your investments because we all know that things aren't looking so great with the economy and only getting worse. The rate was raised again uh, this week, so that's something to look out for. And um, so check that out again, KirkElliottPhD.com slash The Patriot Review. And also check out um, our website, and I've done some revamping on that website. And you can get um, product from the Patriot Review and support the show. I appreciate it if you would um, maybe write to email uh, Frank Speech. I'd love to get on live somewhere. I'd like to do a live show and, and get uh, get into the more mainstream. So if, if you uh, support the show and you've been watching me a while, that'd be awesome if you would send some emails and help me get make that a reality. Also working on some documentaries. I'm going to talk about those at the end of today's show. Uh, we'll get into the interview right after this short break. Hey, Patriots. You can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. I'd like to welcome to the show Mr. Jake Vandenplus, who is running in District 8 in Wisconsin for Congress. Uh, Jake, thanks for being here with me, and I look forward to our, our talk here. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, truly. Everybody who comes on, I always tell them that if you're on my show, you know, I consider you a friend. So hopefully, you know, regardless of what happens in the election, which, you know, I really think Republicans are, are going to uh, take things by storm here, and you being a libertarian, I think, you also have a very high chance of, of of succeeding and winning. So let's talk about the issues that are key to you, near and dear to your heart, and you know what really motivated you to get involved. Yeah, one of the biggest things that motivated me to get involved was, uh, and still is to this day, is the veteran suicide rate. 
Um, I'm a veteran myself. I spent 13 years in the Wisconsin Army National Guard with two tours in Iraq. And um, watching my brothers and sisters in arms struggle and the struggles that I had coming home, um, can't continue to go down this path. We still have 20 veterans a day committing suicide. And for those who don't know the overall statistics, our post 9-11 veterans, um, just in combat between Iraq and Afghanistan, we lost 7,070 soldiers in combat. And as of May of 2021, we've lost 30,177 of those same post-9-11 veterans to suicide. Wow. 30,177 of my brothers and sisters in arms should be here still to this day, uh, but never received the proper care or had a helping hand that was there available to talk. So that's the biggest push that I've got here. Um, well, thank you for your so, service, first of all. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I'm not favorite? just... And I'm not just running for Congress to fix Congress. My farm is also a nonprofit where we train veterans on how to grow produce and live sustainably. And the produce that we grow actually goes back to the older generation communities here. So it's veteran training veterans who are feeding veterans. It's a pretty solid program. So where do people go to find that, Jake? Uh, for the farm, you can go to uh, www.dcfarmforvets.org. Uh, we are putting together next spring's planting schedule already and starting to look for some volunteers. Biggest, the biggest portion of uh, of that is just, just getting veterans together. Okay? Did you say a different language? Did you say you're looking for volunteers? You kind of cut out there a second. Yeah, volunteers to come up to the farm. We uh, encourage all veterans to come up. You can come up for a weekend. Um, there's an assortment of things that are always happening on the farm. Uh, we picked up a camper, so we do have some housing stuff that's available as well. Um, if you need to get away for a minute, uh, because I know sometimes life is crazy and you just need to get away, uh, we have a spot for you. I, I get it. We've all been there. Call someone, please. Uh, if you're going down that dark road, there's, I, I can tell you, when we formed this, this nonprofit, we've had an extraordinary, extraordinary outreach from the community here in Sturgeon Bay. So it's not just me that is asking you to call. You have an entire community here that's willing to help support you, um, here for you. So this is the big push for everything that I do, is taking care of our veterans the way they should be taken care of and to avoid creating more combat veterans. Right. So we do have a mess that is going on over in Ukraine right now, and if we are not careful, our elected officials will get us into another conflict, and that we have to avoid. This is the we're seeing in action now, the military industrial complex that Eisenhower spoke of, warned about before he left office. And um, tragically, you know, it uh, it has serious consequences, not only like you mentioned on the on the battlefield itself, but even more so after the fact. And, you know, I uh, I have not known anybody personally that committed suicide that was a veteran. And that was the reason that the PTSD, but I've had friends or you know, I think everybody has had somebody they know that has committed suicide and everybody should be able to re relate to how drastic and destructive that is to family and friends. So what you're doing, my friend, um, aside from uh, running for Congress, what you're doing is God's work and give that uh, website for the farm one more time before we talk more about the Ukraine. Yes, www.dcfarmforvets.org. Okay. Go so through there if you're interested in volunteering, and uh, 
we're always willing to take out. And uh, even That's if it's awesome. for a day, even if it's for a day, come on out, get your hands in the dirt. And I didn't understand the importance of being around other veterans until uh, uh, there was another event I went to for sturgeon spearing with the, an organization called the House in the Woods. Great organization. They will be back again this fall or this this winter, I should say, early spring uh, for the sturgeon spearing event on Lake Winnebago. But it was there was 20 veterans that were involved with this one on the first maiden year. And uh, when we got together, it was like a bunch of good friends that hadn't seen each other in, in a decade. Well, and, you have uh, that you have that common, more common experience that yeah. you, know, you form this brotherhood. And uh, yep. most people can't relate to that, including myself. I can only, again, thank you for your service. And uh, those folks that are in a dark place, you know, please. Uh, check this out. Um, one of the, one of the charities I've gave given to in the past also is the Guitars for Vet for Vets because yeah. I'm a guitar player and I really have used music as kind of my own personal therapy, you know. And evidently it doesn't make me rename uh, re- remember names any better, but uh, <laughs> it does it does help. So so I know you wanted to talk about the Ukraine because it really has kind of been pushed out of the news cycle, right? And and uh, so I want to pick your brain a little bit and get your thoughts on the Ukraine, what we're seeing, and maybe what uh, direction we need to, to push our politicians in. Yeah, so it's uh, myself and the Libertarian Party, we are anti-war as, as you can possibly get. Um, we believe that we can actually achieve world peace uh, through liberty through exchange. Uh, famous quotes that I came up with was uh, governments want war, politicians want war, people want peace and prosperity. And that's what it always ends up coming down to. And we've seen the last half a dozen conflicts that our politicians have gotten us into have had absolutely nothing to do with um, the Gulf of Tonkin and Uh We've found no weapons of mass destruction. Uh, we invaded Afghanistan, despite the fact that all intelligence said Osama bin Laden was in Pakistan. We caught him in Pakistan. Why, why did we go into Afghanistan as, as the FBI knew? But these are, we can't continue to, to warmonger around. Seeing the ramifications of that, because that has actually one of the biggest things that has driven up our inflation as well. So we talk a lot about national defense and defense spending. And don't get me wrong, I do believe we should have a good, strong military that that does act as a deterrent. But right now, what we are spending to secure our country is significantly more than just our national defense budget. So a lot of times we talk about just national defense. But if you take national defense and you tap in and you also add in uh, like our border security, our FBI, our CIA, ICE, all these other getting started. Uh, se- security agencies, we're actually looking at a price tag in 2022 of like $1.7 trillion we are going to be spending to secure our country. You know, let me let me stop you there for a second. Now, uh, we have a DOJ and FBI and IRS, a CIA that are attacking people like you and me. Number strike one, you're white. Strike two, you have a big, you have a bushy beard that makes you a, a radical, <laughs> right? You know, all of us guys who really grew up believing in the exceptionalism of America, and I won't speak for you, but I did, and 
I think most people are in shock at what's going on in our country, people being labeled domestic terrorists for caring about what their kids are being taught in school, you know, in the FBI raiding people and the FBI taking people's phones with no, with really no ju just cause. So you have all that going on. At the same time, you have a border that's wide open, and those people that are coming across the border, where well, they're getting all kinds of all kinds of goodies, and they're getting shuttled to wherever they want to go and everything else. How does that make you feel as a veteran? All the dollars that are going uh, for people who really aren't even citizens, and um, and here you are, and veterans are committing suicide, and there, that also isn't a story in the news, right? I mean, uh, so I, myself and the rest of the Libertarian Party, we have always advocated to end the welfare state. That's never been the role of the government uh, is to provide welfare. That is something that has always been best served in our local communities. I'm not saying that we don't care about immigrants coming into this country. Um, right. Everyone right now is looking for employees, and, and having immigration and people immigrate here would actually help a lot of the problems that we're seeing within our our businesses and stuff right now the question yeah. is 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 we don't have the two political factions that we have are fighting over whether we should have an open border or whether we should build a wall libertarians show up and say well why can't we have an immigration process that one keeps our country safe and two is efficient for our immigrants that are coming here well, I think we have an immigration process that isn't broken. It's just not followed. If we enforce well, the, just like everything else, if we enforce the laws we already have on the books, things would be so much different, whether you're talking about gun violence or you're talking about immigration. We already have laws, and a lot of the shooters and gun violence, you know, we learned the FBI background check failed, or we learned, you know, that they were given access to firearms illegally or whatever, you know. So whether you're talking about the border or issues like gun control, just making more paper and making laws that kind of do what other laws yeah. are supposed to do isn't going to help. I think Americans are frustrated with that. Yeah, well, we keep stacking government on top of government. And I, and I would actually push back a little bit and say that our immigration process is kind of broken. So what we actually have is we have an immigration process and we also have an asylum process. Right. And what we have happening down on our border is because our immigration process is broken, people are showing up and trying to force themselves through our our asylum process. If we had an efficient immigration process, that, that would go away. You wouldn't see that as much as you do down on the border. You would actually see a little yeah. more streamlined. So the immigration process, the last time I looked at it, usually involves attorneys and there's a waiting period. It's not, it's, it's think, think of it this way. I can make the assumption that the immigration pro the immigration department works just as as well as the VA system. Okay. It doesn't. Well, okay. You want something I mean, screwed up, give it to the government to, to manage. It, it, precisely. When, and that's how I'm confident to say that, that our immigration process is broken because there's a lot of red tape that is involved and it's not user-friendly just like the VA is not user-friendly. Yeah, the I agree last with time that. I called the, the last time I called the VA to even schedule an appointment, they said, okay, we will call you back to schedule that. They actually took my information right. and then had to call me back to schedule it. I'm like, why couldn't we just do that the first time? That's somebody else's job. Yeah. That's well, what it Yeah, there's to tons do. of redundancy. I did a I did a documentary and it's I even hate to call it a documentary because it was pieced together footage that already existed and stuff. 
with other interview stuff. But one of the things I showed on there was just the number of agencies that the that are in the government. And I think I scrolled on screen, you know, almost 800 of them. And the redundancy is just enormous. And I, I do think one other part of the immigration process is the 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 issue with visas. And you know, I think I think my my statement about it um, not being followed is is there was a time in the United States that we had a different viewpoint towards people coming in. Yes, we want you to come in, but we want you to come in under a set of rules and understandings, like learn our language and you know, uh, be better suited for employment because you did learn our language and those sorts of things. But um, so that would be good to see. But you are talking about Ukraine and I want to get to what you think we should do. What would you what would you go into Congress and, and what would be your stance on the Ukraine? Uh, one, I would be on election night, once the actual results come in, I will be calling on Joe Biden and the rest of the world leaders to actually call for an immediate ceasefire in Ukraine. Um, we have to bring both sides of the table here and try to find some kind of a peace agreement. Um, and that can only be done. We have That's only going to come through the United States of America. Right now, uh, Zelensky has said he is very confident that uh, um, that even if the Republicans win the House and the Senate, that he will still be funded plenty of weapons to continue fighting this war. But he also needs to say, claims that he needs more than that. So he's talking about aid to start actually rebuilding the country. This is all coming from going to be coming from the American taxpayers that we're we're barely struggling to survive here. We're right. almost out of diesel. For, we're almost out of diesel for crying out loud. Yeah, it's crazy. Got, so. Let's turn to that. Let's turn to the uh, the economic situation in the United States and what people are going through. What do you have to say about that? One hundred percent, the result of, gov- of overspending. You can't point it at just one party. This is the fault of both over the course of a long, long time. Okay, right. nineteen thirteen, the Federal Reserve was created the same time as the federal income tax. And as it sits today, your dollar is not worth a dollar. It's worth only one cent in purchasing power. It's, our dollar has been inflated by 99%. As okay. compared to what, the, the uh, 1913 when the Federal Reserve came in? Correct. So yeah. you're, a, you're a gold standard guy, a yeah. precious metal standard guy, right? I am too. I, I think uh, that's one of the things Ron Paul, you know, he had it. Uh, dead to rights, and there are many people who believe that Kennedy was assassinated because he wanted to go back to the gold standard. He he had the power to do it, and uh, I don't know how how true that is or not. But it's just interesting that it seems that the people who really uh, it's all about accountability, isn't it? I mean, they just don't want us to be able to hold them accountable. Putting the putting our dollar back on the gold standard forces our legislatures to be accountable with their spending but we don't have there is zero mechanism in place right now to ensure that our elected officials are responsible with our tax dollars there's nothing there is nothing that is preventing the federal reserve from just printing money whenever they need it okay and just like we have massive amount of lobbyists in congress and major corporations that are buying and influencing politicians we also have lobbyists lobbying the federal reserve 
Okay, I, I, there's an inter, there's an article from the Intercept that I just posted on my Facebook page. There's tons of lobbying that happens just with the Federal Reserve, J.P. Morgan and Chase, mm-hmm. and you know these massive credit card companies. They're lobbying the Federal Reserve all the time. It's mind blowing to me that we have uh, the responsibility of our dollar, the protection of our dollars, pushed off to an unelected board of bureaucrats that mm-hmm. does whatever they wish. That's we did the, the same reasons that we we did the same mess. We did the same with our health, didn't we? And Mr. Fauci, guy who makes more than the president of the United States, and uh, we we see what he's done, and I think that uh, one day he'll be in. In big trouble here coming up in the next few years, and rightfully We're so. We're gonna find out. Yeah, we, I uh, think so. And people ask me all the time what I think about the COVID vaccine, the COVID nineteen vaccine. I said I lost faith and and I lost trust in Dr. Fauci when me and a bunch of my brothers and sisters in arms took the anthrax vaccine. Yeah. And uh, as we were heading over to Iraq to protect, the we were told there was tons of anthrax over there. Not one, not one soldier ever in either theater of operation and with getting anthrax, as far as I know. And there was zero follow-up to it. They said this was somewhat yeah. experimental. Um, that they were going to be following up with yeah. us and testing to see where it was at. And here we are a decade and a half later. No one gives a shit. No follow-up. There's no, how is this affecting you? Well, Fauci, just, not many people know that Fauci used foster children to experiment on mRNA vaccines and um, back in the AIDS, the HIV AIDS uh, being a new uh, uh, virus. Um, so, so economically, uh, you're you're obviously uh, looking for more accountability uh, to the people from the government. And we talked about the gold standard, and so you're a proponent of that. Let's talk a little bit about education and what your feelings are. Uh, for parents and education? I believe that we should uh, fully and entirely remove the government from our education system in its entirety. Right uh, right now, we think, think of it this way, okay? It's been about 50 years or so since the Department of Education was created. And at this point in time, we have 130 million Americans that read at a sixth grade level and below. 130 million Americans cannot read above a sixth grade level. That's a third of our country. A third of our country cannot read above a sixth grade level. That is a failure of our Department of Education. Yes, And the Department of Education, that's what I can control at the federal level. There is legislation that's already been proposed. Uh, The No Child Left Behind uh, that was uh, put into place by George W. Bush and the Republicans was a disaster that really, really made things a whole lot worse than what they were. So right now we have an entire education system that is teaching to take tests and, and perform well on tests instead of educated, actually educating children. I'm a firm belief that we need to completely rethink the way we educate our children right now. And those decisions should always be left up to the parents, the teachers, and the school board. And that's it. Get the so, government out of it. So I think, you know, one the, it makes me think of other issues. And I think, you know, the the big uh, blow up over Roe versus Wade, I think, is misunderstood because it's a it, it's a question of, and what the Supreme Court it always is, it's a question of constitutionality. And the problem there was that, the federal government had no business. They had no authority 
to to uh, side and and to and to put Roe versus Wade forward because any power not granted to the federal government is granted to the state government. So the states are supposed to be the the uh, decision makers and that and that's done by design just like it is in education when you talk about controlling education locally you're saying you're talking about the the people the the uh, constituents of of that area they have somebody who's easier to access they have local access to people to be able to make their voices heard and you know i think most people don't really understand that and when it comes to education obviously that local access has been um i don't know it hasn't been ignored but it's just has it's just not been uh, people haven't been real involved like they should be and i think a lot of people have woke awoken now and said my god look at what they're doing (laughs) right yeah well well, involve, involvement is key. So, and, and that's, and, and I'm guilty just the same. I haven't been as involved in politics as I should be until I decided to run for office. And one thing I would like to people know is, is a, there's a lot of times that the libertarian message sounds like it's anarchist and we don't care. That's actually completely the opposite. We just recognize that the closer that the government is to your home, vulnerable it is to the people. And I don't care if your beliefs are on the right side of the aisle or the left side of the aisle. Everybody wants a government that is actually accountable to the people and it's far from being accountable to the people. Our world is full of electromagnetic fields that, even though we can't see them, are affecting our bodies, our sleep, and even our ability to think clearly. The advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patreon review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. You can also learn more by watching episode 62 of the Patriot Review. Hey Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. I love my pillow products. I use them. I can say that they are simply the best quality that you will find anywhere. And you can help us all out, all Patriots, including Mike Lindell, and our mission to restore America by going to MyPillow.com today and using code TPR. That stands for the Patriot Review, so it's easy to remember. TPR. Save up to 66%. You can also order by calling 800-519-9927. Again, that's 800-519-9927. Thank you and God bless. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. Absolutely correct, and and we don't have that today for sure. Oh no! And actually, the defin the, the name libertarian actually stems from the definition of liberal, not in the common day definition, but the classical right. definition of liberalism. Was you believed in local level legislation to handle the vast, vast majority of uh, the societal ails and, and, and issues that come about. 
then we can build a government from the bottom up. And this is how we are able to actually keep accountability to the people. Right. Right. right now, we have this top-down structure. And our elected officials are, like I said in the beginning, they, they're accountable first and foremost to their donors, then to their party, then we the people finally get a voice. And we know this to be true because Congress, as of July, has a 7% approval rating. You thought Joe Biden's approval rating was bad? I'm Congress just, has a yeah. 7% approval rating, yet our incumbents have a 93% re-election rating. I just uh, saw or read something that that's now down to 4%. <laughs> that's, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked one bit. Yeah, and, I, and that's a pretty sad statement, and they don't care. I mean, there's there are some good ones in there, you know, and and but the majority of them, like you said, they're beholding to their special interests and and uh it was president grant who who gave them the term lobbyist he used to go down to the willard hotel and sit in the lobby he'd have he'd have his drink i don't remember his brandy scotch i think it was scotch and smoke a cigar and people would hound him you know at, this is while he was president he he called them you know these damn lobbyists these damn lobbyists people in the lobby bugging me that's where that term came from and you know, they, they, you're right. They're more loyal to those people than they are to their own constituents, and that needs to change. And uh, I wish that we'd go back to um, before the uh, an amendment was made, the senators actually used to be chosen by the states. So the state legislature would choose the senator to send, which also brings that closer to home. So it would be nice to have that accountability. So, um I say all that to say this, what type of, what type of, um, I won't say easily achievable, but realistically um, have a chance to, to assist you in, in creating more of that? What are the top things that you think are low-hanging fruit? To be able to actually accomplish? Yeah. Um, one of the first things that I would like to be able to achieve is uh, two things right off the bat. Um, with how rough the economy and stuff is going out right off the bat, I want to push some legislation to actually uh, repeal the taxes on our senior citizens' social security. Right off the bat, end that tax. Let the social, let the, because uh, that's the biggest demographic that's getting hit the worst right now are those that are on the fixed incomes, those that are retired, and those that are that are impoverished. Um, end the tax on social security. Uh, I can hit that right off. Where I can get some support on that bipartisan support across the board and uh, relieve some pressure from our senior citizens so that they can survive a little bit better. Um, next thing I would like to tackle is actually uh, figure out what kind of staffing that we need in our veteran service offices here within the state of Wisconsin and across the country. Uh, one of the biggest things that we can do uh, to help our veterans is to ensure that there is enough resources available in our current veteran service offices at the county level to actually serve as the veterans that are in the counties. I live here in Door County, and currently we have one veteran service officer who is trying to service all of the veterans within this whole area that is understaffed, underfunded. If we're able to get those into shape, we will be much, much better. As far as actually helping the veterans, the next step on that is to actually open up um, the healthcare for veterans. Uh, if you're a veteran, uh, you need to go to the doctor. You get to go to the doctor if you're choosing. When you get the doctor's bill, you make sure that gets turned into the veteran service office. They make sure it gets paid. 
that's how we're able to help the veterans the best. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, uh, but I would start working towards uh, repealing and removing the VA. Uh, there would be a long drawn out process. There is some veterans that do enjoy going to the VA, but if you want an example of how not to run a healthcare system, the VA would be it. So then you would you would merge the you would eventually wean off the the veterans groups into our mainstream healthcare, but you would work more on the financial uh, management of the reimbursements and the all that that side of it through yep. uh, through the agency that once was the VA, right? The essentially or, yes. So eventually, does that all go away and they have? You have kind of a supplemental plan that's for veterans, or what do you what are your thoughts? On I don't that? know if it would be an actual plan versus if you're a veteran, you go to the doctor and it's handled. Gotcha. Okay, so, so what um, else? What else do you there, think about? So um, I would actually like to repeal uh, marijuana as a Schedule One drug. That is actually something that um, being listed as a Schedule One drug, we can't even fully research it. So that is something that I know personally has uh, helped me through PTSD and uh, was able to utilize marijuana to uh, off of all the other prescriptions that the VA had me stacked on. Uh, one time they were giving me prescriptions to counteract side effects of the other prescriptions I was on. So that's something that helped me tremendously. And I can definitely tell you, um, it's even Donald Trump said we have a right to try it. And with a 20 veterans per day suicide rate, I think through the guidance of the doctor, uh, you should easily be able to be able to access marijuana to be able to uh, uh, try to combat PTSD. It's helped tons of us already. And we should be able to at least research it to the extent that it should be researched versus counting on the organizations that have researched it thus far have a vested interest in making sure that it stays legal. Yeah, I may be different than... I you know I know I'm different than than some people, but uh, I agree with you. I agree with you on that one. It's first of all, it's natural, right? Um, the history. I watched a documentary about a month ago, maybe the history of these drugs. So uh, every one of the major drugs that have become a uh, have become a problem for addiction and everything else. I mean, they were they were made in the medical sphere. Whether you're talking about the opiates or, you know, you look at a heroin, right? You look at cocaine, you look at uh, methadone, and all these things were developed with medical uh, medical aims, right? And you have all these side effects, you have all these people dying, getting addicted, where with marijuana, um, I, you know, my background, my, my degree is in, in safety and environmental compliance. And one of the core classes I had to take was just about drugs and their, their effect on the body. So alcohol actually is much more damaging to the brain. And if you look at, uh, the, the, the things that alcohol has led to or leads to, um, marijuana is actually, I think far, a far better drug than, than alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I think, you got uh, yeah. you got domestic violence. You got drunk drivers. You got, you know, I mean, we could go on, on, Dave, on on that topic. I but, think Dave uh, Chappelle said it best: is if marijuana was legal, there'd be a whole lot more kids, their childhood memories of their dad 
sleeping on the couch versus their dad beating the shit out of their mom. Yeah, right. I agree with that. And at the end of the day, and I've got a lot of the Republicans within the state assembly here in Wisconsin that have really pushed back on me on this. And uh, at the end of the day, let me start before we get too deep. At no point in time am I am I advocating for drug usage. Right. And when I say what what I'm saying, we want to end the war on drugs because we see that the path that we're taking right now is not working. Okay, I've actually asked uh, Senator Andre Jacques, my state senator up here, um, what part of the Constitution, in regards to marijuana, I said, what part of the Constitution allows you to dictate what I can and cannot do within the confines of my home and on my What it really comes down to is property rights. What am I allowed to do on my property? What is the government allowed to let me to control my actions on my property? Mm -hmm. I want to set up my bonfire and smoke a joint versus uh, drinking a half a bottle of whiskey. Whose business is that other than my own? Right. Right. Public usage. I understand that. That's a different ball game. Um, Obviously, we're always got to be kept safe or whatnot, but. Um, I would actively work to actually end uh, the war on drugs, uh, actually repeal the Department of uh, uh, the Drug Enforcement Agency, the DEA. Uh, and that's a that's an economic choice. OK, so in 2019, the DEA had a, a $64 billion budget and they successfully pulled off the streets $148 million in drugs. And with in the United States of America estimated to be about $6 billion. That means that the DEA was a little over 1% efficient at doing their job. So do you think that you're speaking just about marijuana? How would you treat fentanyl? Fentanyl? Uh, typically, the best way I can see uh, treating fentanyl is making sure that marijuana is available and affordable. Uh, some of the other states that are misfiring on this and uh, that have essentially legalize all the drugs, they failed to follow through on what needed to happen. So what ends up happening more often than not when when states actually legalize drugs or even the psilocybin, they tax the living crap out of it, mm-hmm. which means that the drugs on the streets are still cheaper and more affordable than buying it at the dispensaries. So the economic, it always comes down to economics, okay? Mm-hmm. whether it's the economics in the free market or the economics in the black market, functions just the same. So if marijuana is actually happens to be considerably more expensive than fentanyl. So what are you going to choose if you're looking for a buzz? And, right. and when it comes to the fentanyl, more often than not, no one's taking straight fentanyl. Fentanyl is laced with other stuff. Okay. And that's where people are getting killed is they don't know that the fentanyl is in there. because fentanyl was added to boost mm-hmm. up the higher or whatever it is. And ultimately people want a safe product. Okay, all the people sure. that I know that do want to smoke uh, even recreational marijuana, they want to know what they're consuming. They're also afraid of consuming something that has fentanyl in it. Okay, so in my eyes, the best way to combat the actual heavy drugs is to make sure that we have marijuana is affordable and not taxing the crap out of it. And people are going to gravitate to that. And also, those decisions are best left up to local level stuff. So when I say I want to mm-hmm. repeal the DEA, I also want to repeal all of those tax dollars and get that back into our communities so they can come up with a game plan for the individuals specifically within those own communities. 
And part and, of that certainly would have to be educating kids as to what drugs really do. Nailed it. Uh, so, nailed it. So, yeah. So, um, what other things are on your platform that, that you think are that rise to the top? What are the what are the other things that you focus on? Maybe one or two of those. Um, repealing a lot of the tax code that we have. Uh, and one of the main reasons for that is to actually help out local small farmers. Uh, small farmers throughout the entire state of Wisconsin are really struggling. Uh, we see our small farmers are continuing to get squeezed out by major, major mega farms. Uh, I do believe that if we were able to open up the door for the smaller farms to sell directly to, uh, con- it be to consumers, uh, even when regards to dairy products, um, Obviously, you can print a label on the side of it that says this is unpasteurized milk. Everybody at this mm-hmm. point in time understands the dangers of it. So it also comes under an education. So if we're able to repeal a lot of those laws or a lot of the taxes, that's going to tremendously help out our small farmers. I'm a small farmer myself, and having to farm and work a full-time job to be able to afford the equipment, I can tell you that's a dangerous path to be on when we're counting on a small handful of farms to grow the vast majority of food for the entire population. Now, would you so, make it illegal for countries like China to buy farmland in the United States? We need to disincentivize those that are selling to China. I mean, China coming over here, when you come to the free market and you don't want to try to limit that stuff, we want to make sure that the reasons why the people are selling to China versus selling to other farmers um, I would like to understand those whys. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Well, China, China, I think you know, is is they don't have good intentions. They want to control the the land that makes food. They control our food source, and we're in a world of trouble. So, yeah, China's China is definitely one of our biggest adversaries right now. But we also mm-hmm. got to keep in mind we can wait China out. China's economy is ready to implode even it worse is. than what ours is. Their debt to GDP ratio right now is 250%. Uh, percent. That's an astronomical yeah. amount, which yeah, is why that... they're eyeballing uh, Taiwan because they need the resources and the income that Taiwan draws in order to save themselves economically. If there was a way that we can essentially, uh, and, and here's the thing that the biggest threat that China, that we face with China isn't China itself. The CCP and the way that the Chinese right. Communist Party functions is what keeps China down. Um, if China mm-hmm. ever decided to uh, decentralize their economy and actually let their economy function within a free market, we would be in some serious trouble. We also right. have well, an, exor- an exorbitant amount of our elected officials have some extraordinary business ties to China. And that, that in itself is way more dangerous than I believe China is itself. So the CCP is definitely, I mean, every time I talk about a country, I'm talking about the government or the form of government within the country, not the people, because there's great people in China. There's great people in Iran, but I still don't like their government, you know. And um, so what would you do? What would you do as far as um, bringing industry back in to the United States so we don't have to look? For example, to China for our antibiotics. I think that's something that we can legislate. We need to make sure that we, as consumers, are buying stuff that's made in. And we 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 get to. There's a lot of times we look to our elected officials to solve problems, when every single day we vote with our dollar. Right. And when it comes to a free market, we choose where to spend our money, 
And that's what influences markets. Okay, if we want to, to erase dependency on China, 100% here for it. But that means that we need to be cautious of what we are buying. It's almost, it's a little over a third of China's exports actually come here to the United States. We're buying everything from China. You want to put a dent in the Chinese economy? That's how we do it. Start right. buying American-made. Buy stuff local. We got to go to the doctor, start talking. And that's the, our, our pharmaceutical and medical industry. That's a whole nother podcast. We need, well, we need to, so yeah, all these that. issues. We could talk for days on our stuff, but um, the, the, the issue is that we have so many things that are no longer man, manufactured in the United States anywhere in the United States. So we have to incentivize those businesses being able to either start back anew or come back in my opinion. And, and, um, but I can I ask how old you are? I'm 38. 38. So I'm 55. I remember uh, the days before McDonald's and before cell phones. And and I think one of the biggest problems is that, you know, people like to look back and talk about the greatest generation. Well, you know, the difference between the greatest generation and our generation, for the most part, is that they were willing to sacrifice things. And yep. we're such a society of convenience. I mean, people get impatient in the McDonald's line if they wait an extra three minutes when it used to be you go home after work and you cook it. It takes you an hour to make your meal, right? And get it. I mean, when and, I was growing up, every night we would sit around as a family around the dinner table. We don't, right. we don't do things like that anymore. Once a week, we would be over at the neighbors. We would actually converse. Technology. So what we have seen is every time that the human species has had a, very, a vast technological jump, um, it's taken our, our species a little bit to try to kind of grasp it. You saw that in the Industrial Revolution. Um, and we're seeing this now with the with the technology and the boom that it is, the technology is growing. Uh, and we're still trying to figure that out. Well, I'm um, one of those people who believe that, you know, the technology exists, that te- Tesla had the technology that we wouldn't even be on oil or uh, petroleum-based uh, fuels, but um, again, a whole nother subject for, we could talk for a long time, but um, I just, I want to give you the, uh, the last uh, minute or two here just to talk about things that are near and dear to you, um, however you want to use the time. Just Yeah, so I, I definitely appreciate any and all support. We don't have uh, millions of dollars here. This is a very grassroots campaign, full volunteers. Um, this is a very, very unique historical race. There is no Democrat that is listed on the ballot. Uh, so it is just me versus Mike Gallagher, who does not have very good uh, reviews throughout the district. Uh, in the two years that I've been campaigning here, I've run into 22 people that are like Mike Gallagher. That's it. So we've got a very unpopular Republican incumbent, uh, no Democrat listed on the ballot. And this is, we're never going to break, we have to start breaking up this duopoly and this two-party system. Um, it is definitely set up to squash any and all other voices off the off the ballot, and it has been uh, it's, it's actually has been quite an honor to have spoken with so many people throughout the eighth congressional district. We are only six days away from the election, so it's uh, it's crunch time. We've been going and going hard, but it has definitely been an honor to have met so many people. Um, definitely appreciate your support, and I ask. For your vote on Tuesday, November 8th. Excellent, sir. The website that you want to go to, folks, is jakeliberty2022.com. 
That's jakeliberty2022.com. Check it out. You can uh, learn more about Jake and his viewpoints. And make sure that you vote no matter what, no matter no matter what you think about the um, election process. I mean, if you don't vote, you definitely don't get your way or what you want. So please go vote. Uh, Jake, thank you for your time and for your wisdom. And I wish you the best, sir. Thank you, Kanye. We'll talk soon. All righty. So there you have it, my interview with Jake in District 8, Wisconsin congressional candidate, uh, Jake Vandenplus, who really I found very refreshing. I mean, it's great to see people that um, that you can relate to that are coming into the political realm and, and uh, you know, really have decided to take on the challenge. And we need many more people like Jake. So if you're in District 8 in Wisconsin, you know, um, watch that interview again uh, if you need to, whatever. But uh, please consider voting for Jake and um, uh, look forward to that election. So this this coming Tuesday, as you know, we need to get everybody out. We need to uh, contact people who we think maybe are not going to vote and encourage them to do so. And uh, it's it's imperative that we get this thing under control and if these elections, the midterms, don't go so well for us, we all know that we're in a lot more trouble with the current administration. So please do vote. Um, I just want to ra- uh, wrap the show up with, uh, I can speak, with a few final closing thoughts. Uh, number one, if you want to go to my pillow or my store, you can get great discounts there up to 66%, sometimes larger if there are some flash sales. Uh, you can check that out again. It's uh, TPR is the code. So you can check that out, mystore.com slash TPR. And that's the same for mypillow.com. You can check it out and uh, go right to my landing page. And coming documentaries have a six-part docu-series called High Trees and You Decide. I've been working on this one a while. It's a little behind, and it's behind because of another documentary I'm working on, which I'll talk about uh, shortly, but this one is uh, six parts. This one deals with the first episode deals with treason, the history of treason within the United States, and uh, gives you a background as to who was charged and why and what the outcome was. So you have a good foundation understanding of treason. Then we're going to get into those things that we see happening around us, and uh, those deal with uh, the real insurrection. So the election, January 6th, and the summer of love, the so-called summer of love with all the violence that uh, for some reason was called a mostly peaceful demonstration. We talk about COVID, we're going to talk about education, we're going to talk about the border. So all of that uh, is wrapped up in this six-part docuseries that will be coming out. The one that I'm working on more right now is Breaking the Oath. And for anybody who watched the show, you know that I've had Scott Shara on the show and we've talked about him losing his family losing uh, Grace. She was 19 years old. I had the pleasure of going and doing some filming with uh, Scott and his family a couple weeks ago. So this one, Breaking the Oath, The Evils of Incentivized Healthcare, takes a, a real strong look, and specifically with COVID and the COVID protocols, and how people are basically being murdered across the globe with these COVID protocols. And... Um, 
you know, that certainly is my opinion. And I think if you watch this documentary, it will be yours as well. So that is coming out. I'll give you more information as we go along. Really have a sense of urgency trying to get this one out. But, of course, it takes time to get everything put together. So that one is is coming. And if you watched the show yesterday or last week, you probably saw this. And this is the Citizens Oath of the United States of America. I basically took the the oath that office, uh, office takers take, the elected officials take, to the Constitution and change just a few words so that it uh, it fits my purpose, which is for you to film yourself taking the oath and sending me that, and then I would like to use them. So if you send them, you're giving me your permission to use your video of yourself taking this oath. I'd like to use them on episodes of the Patriot Review, and um, I look forward to that. You can. Take those videos. You can send them to redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com. That's redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com. So please do that. And last but not least, I just want to close with um, an ad that I've shown a number of times on here on the show. But again, Tuesday is very, very important. And this is just a final reminder of what makes it so important. Uh, thank you for joining me today. I know it's Trump rally night, so maybe you're watching this after the fact, but uh, appreciate you watching. And as always, I look forward to hearing from you. You can go to my website, sign up, redbloodedpatriots.com, and come back next week to watch the next episode of the Patriot Review. Uh, I've already I've already got uh, one interview done for it. It's going to be a good one, so please tune in. And go vote this week. Nearly 30 years, crime was falling in the United States. No more. The national murder rate is at its highest in 25 years. The result of far-left policies that leave innocent Americans at the mercy of violent criminals. You've seen the images. Subway riders pushed onto tracks by the violently deranged. Stores being looted in broad daylight. Elderly women viciously beaten on the street and outside their homes. Gang shootings turning cities into war zones. Hardened criminals rampaging without fear. No fear of arrest. No fear of prosecution. No fear of jail. No fear of any consequence at all. Instead, you are made to live in fear. Woke progressive prosecutors are releasing dangerous predators before trial. Woke far-left politicians have allowed our streets and parks to be overrun with crime and drugs. Police have been made into the enemy and criminals into a protected class. Violent crime is up 21% in Washington, D.C., 35% in Chicago, 41% in New York City, and murders are up 207% in Portland. Cities in chaos, billions in property damages, lives and families destroyed. Stop the woke war on police. Stop the far-left assault on public safety. Stop the radical left-wing love affair with criminals. Stop the insanity. Citizens for Sanity paid for this ad.